So God does not judge us according to our performances. The capacity to receive comes with so much grace because you know for sure that God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. He shall supply, he speak upon it. You are identified by the blood of Jesus. The blood that was shed at the cross. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. He became that sin offering. So why are you still talking about sin, sin, sin? That is a wrong doctrine. By one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. He has perfected you. You have no sin. Once Christ is the central focus of who you are and your life, your identity changes, your mindsets change, your thinking, your living, because now you believe in right, you're living right through him. Wake up and unwind your day. Réveillez-vous et commencez votre journée avec Bioka, On a heart for a soul. Your word is truth. It sanctifies a soul with your truth. Your word is truth. For a soul, a heart for a soul. The light and warm your spirit in the dark or the cold. Healing what was broken, turn them parts to a whole. Heart for a soul, a heart for a soul. Yeah. Jesus Christ, way truth and the life for our souls paid the price, the ultimate sacrifice. What a love! While we get sin for death, we were destined. He stepped in as water and as blood was the cleansing laws. We were found, what's in a bound? Grace abound. What a passion, a piece of passing, all understanding where God's love is present, all condemnation is past. In. For a soul, a heart for a soul, the light and warm your spirit in the dark or the cold healing what was broken turn them parts to a whole heart for a soul a heart for a soul father in the name of jesus i want to thank you for your faithfulness there's something you spoke to me yesterday and you told me to pray for a certain group of people and you placed them on my heart and today I want to pray for each and every single person. If you know right now you're in a marriage and you're going through a hard time, you're the only one who knows what you're going through. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for that woman every day, every time is being battered by her husband. I pray that in the name of the mighty name of Jesus, the favor of Esther shall fall upon that person. That the pain they're going through is going to be turned into joy. Every heartache in any marriage right now, I speak by the grace of God through his son, Jesus Christ, that peace is prevailing. I don't know who I'm speaking to. I don't know who I'm praying for, but I saw this since last night. And I pray that by the grace of God, each and every single person who hears at the sound of my voice and they're going through a hard time in their marriage, be it a husband, be it a wife, be it children. I pray that in the name of the mighty name of Jesus, restoration is coming your way. 
There's peace that is going to prevail in your home. There's something that's going to be changed. And that very thing, the center of it all is Jesus Christ. And today I pray that in the name of the mighty name of Jesus, that the oil of love, his great love, his rich mercies are flowing in every single home, every single parent, every single mother, every single father, every single child, every single household listening in today. In Jesus' name, we pray and say, Amen. I want to thank God for his faithfulness and uh, for his love. Yesterday, I was having a moment with the Lord and he placed it on my heart to pray for the category of people that I've prayed for right now, told me to pray for them on the radio. And so I believe that if you know of someone going through something, this prayer was for them and if it's possible you send to them this prayer and let them receive it by faith amen i strongly believe you know that there's something that is going to change in each and everyone's life that is going through what i've just described a lot of people are going through pain a lot of people don't know the answers to some of their questions, some of their pain, some of their heart. And many times we see people smiling, kind of like putting on a strong face, but there's something deeper going on in their lives that they can't even mention to their beloved or their family members or to any other person. So something like this, a prayer like this could really help someone. And if you know of someone going through a marital issue, going through pain, going through heart, going through confusion, going through trouble, challenges, I really pray and strongly pray that you send them this sermon. Amen. So let's open our Bibles in Jeremiah 23 verse 5. If you have your Bible, you can take it out. Actually, before I start preaching, anyone listening in today it's better you get a bible or you set your phone or any gadget that you're using to be able to pick out some of the scriptures because i think today i'm really going to go deep in scriptures in a way if you really have to follow what i'm going to be teaching today you need to be soaked in in scripture so I pray you get a moment and pick that out and pick out your Bible or pick out your app for the Bible because I would love by the grace of God we go step by step, step by step so that the word you're receiving today can nourish you, flourish you and help you grow. Amen. So the Bible says in Jeremiah 23, 5, it says that behold, the days are coming, says the Lord that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for this word and every single word that proceeds out of my mouth. It's from you, Holy Spirit, you speak, you teach, you're showing us the depth the message, and what God wants us to take. In Jesus' name, we receive it. Amen. So, Prophet Jeremiah in this scripture introduced us to a prophecy about the coming of Jesus. If you notice that the scripture says, the days are coming. 
Amen. You hear that statement? The days are coming, says the Lord. It's a statement that can actually demonstrate to us that in the dispensation, the time they were living in, they never got to see that. They never got to experience it. But he was speaking from a place of a prophecy always. For those who are not so familiar with the word prophecy, prophecy is the foreseen words, the foreseen circumstances, foreseen life that is coming ahead. But at that moment when it's being spoken about, it is something that is seen in the future. So prophet Jeremiah was one of the prophets. We have prophets Zechariah, prophet Isaiah, prophet Nehemiah, prophet Jeremiah. And all these prophets, one thing that they have in commonality is that they saw the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Savior. Amen. So now prophet Jeremiah is saying that the days are coming in this scripture. The days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper. Amen. So the very important thing that he raised in this scripture was that the branch of righteousness He's trying to show us that the branch of righteousness is going to be raised. Hallelujah. And last week, I preached about a prophecy that was said by prophet Isaiah about the coming of the king of righteousness. Hallelujah. So furthermore, last week I preached about the king of righteousness who was first introduced to us in the book of Genesis. And later the Holy Spirit through the scriptures revealed to us the same king being taught and spoken about in Hebrews 7. So what we saw last week was that Jesus Christ is our king of righteousness. He is the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So today, by the grace of God, I will be preaching about a branch of righteousness. A branch of righteousness, how actually it grows and turns into branches of righteousness. I hope you're with me so far. So what does the term branch of righteousness mean? What did prophet Jeremiah mean as the branch of righteousness? Let's dig deeper in the scriptures to find out. Zechariah 3.8 says that hear all Joshua, the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. Again, we're seeing that word appear, the word, the branch. So in this context, in Zechariah 3, 8, the word branch meant the servant, the one who would bring forth, who would bring forth the wondrous signs, the one who would bring forth servanthood of God to people. Zechariah 6, 12 to 13 says this, then speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch, from his place he shall branch out, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Verse 13 says that, Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord, he shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne and the council of peace shall be between them both. 
So what we're seeing is something very significant, child of God. Number one, we see this in Jeremiah, the very first time, you know, we see it in Jeremiah being mentioned as a branch of righteousness. We see this in Zechariah, the same term, the branch. Again, we see it in Zechariah 6, we see the same name. So when one first thinks of the meaning of a branch, let's first not go deeper in the biblical term. Let's first think about it in the natural sense, in the natural perspective. When the term branch first appears to you, what do you think of? The very first thing or image that will come to me in mind is a trunk connected to a tree. In simple terms also, it can mean also something added onto a very large thing, something attached to a very extensive thing but it kind of branches out or branches off so in this context the prophecy in Zechariah 6 it says that then speak to him says thus says the lord of hosts saying behold the man whose name is the branch from his place he shall branch out from his place listen to me the scripture says from his place he shall branch out and he shall build the temple of the Lord. In this context, the prophecy in Zechariah explains the exact meaning of a branch in a deeper revelational perspective. The branch, what he means the branch is going to be that man who, I love the fact actually when you're using the New King James Version, under Zechariah 6, you know, when it says the man whose name is the branch, the word branch is all shown in capital letters. So when you say that, there's an emphasis in this scripture. And why is that so? So what prophecy the prophet Zechariah was meaning in this prophecy was saying that the branch will branch out. And build a temple of the Lord. The branch, what he meant and what he was prophesying to us to see today is that Jesus Christ, who will come and be seated at the right hand of God on the throne, meditating between believers and God, will be that branch. He will be that branch where all other branches shall branch out. Let's go back to the scriptures so that we go step by step. Zechariah 6, 12, again, let me go back because I pray and I want that the Lord of God shows us and we go deeper so you understand. Amen. It says that then speak to him saying, thus says the Lord of hosts saying, behold the man whose name is the branch. Remember, like I said, under the New King James Version, this is in capital letters. The name branch is in capital letters. From his place, he shall branch out. From his place, he shall branch out. This prophecy meant that Jesus Christ would be the branch. And let's go back to Jeremiah 23, our very first primary scripture, where it says that behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper. Amen. He will reign and prosper. And so when we come back to Zechariah 6, 12, Prophet Zechariah is bringing us to a place to see that the branch of righteousness, hallelujah, from his place, they shall come out and have a branch out. 
I want you to receive this in an image form, an interpretational form in your mind. These prophecies are talking about one branch, which is the major and true branch. But then Prophet Zachariah is saying that there's going to be a branch out from that one branch. Hallelujah. And I believe right now by the spirit of revelation, you're with me so far. So the branch that the prophets are talking about, the branch of righteousness, this is Jesus Christ. Because when he came, he was the very branch that all of us through the body of Christ we branched out and became branches of righteousness. Hallelujah. And I love the fact in verse 13, Prophet Zechariah in chapter 6, he further says that, yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule on his throne. How many of you know that in the scriptures in the New Testament, there is no one talked about except Jesus Christ who came and built the church on his body and built it by his blood, which he paid at the cross. And he's the only one who is considered as the high priest who sat when all work was finished on earth. And he sat at the right hand side of God, the father, the most high God, and sat at the throne. And as the scriptures show, he is ruling. He is ruling as we speak. In other words, prophet Isaiah was speaking about things that would come to pass in this dispensation. He was talking about the grace covenant which we are living in today. Amen. That is what Zechariah 6.13, the verse means that Jesus Christ would bear that glory and sit forever. It meant that Jesus Christ was qualified to be that high priest who would rule who would be that true branch where the church would branch out? And how many of you know that without Jesus Christ, without him, the church would never be born? Because the church was born from his blood. It was born from his body. And without that branch, the very major true branch, there would never have been any branch out. Amen? There would not. It's only through Jesus Christ that the church was born, the salvation was born, redemption was born, wisdom from God was born, righteousness was born, sanctification was born. All that came through Jesus Christ. Beside him, there would never have been any branch out. Amen? Let me just hint about that. Under the law, the covenant of the law, the reason why nothing would ever branch out was because it was not, it did not come under the Son of God. The law came under Moses. Moses, is under the scriptures, is considered as a servant. But once we come, we come to Jesus Christ and how grace, the grace covenant came into existence. How the branch, the true branch came into existence and we, right now, the Gentiles, acquired salvation. All that branched out from the true branch. From the branch that prophet Zechariah is talking about in Zechariah 6. In Hebrew 5, it says, To every high priest taken among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. This is in Hebrew 5, 1. I'm going to read from 1 to 10, but I'm going to, you know, break it down so that we can easily understand. Amen. 
So he says that he can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is regarded as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And verse 6 says, as he also says in another place, this was in Psalm 110.4, it says, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So child of God, what I'm trying to say here is that only the high priest in the new covenant, in the grace dispensation, would ever come to a place to acquire a branch out. Going back to Zechariah 6.13, it says that, yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord, he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule on this throne, so he shall be the priest on this throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. Remember that the scripture says that Jesus Christ is the what? The Prince of Peace. He is the King of Salem, which means peace. But I love the fact that the scripture in Hebrews 5, 5 to 6 says it. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I begotten you. As he also says in another place, you are the priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Verse 7 says that who in the days of his flesh, when had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was hard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So Hebrew 5 is elaborating exactly what prophet Zechariah spoke about in chapter 6 verse 12 to 13. Verse 12 to 13 is being expounded, is being enlightened to us in Hebrew 5, showing us that branch, that one branch branched out to produce salvation to all who obeyed, who obeyed the grace of the Lord. That branch came out and acted, and by the grace of God, it glorified God, not to himself. Jesus Christ never glorified himself, but the scriptures show that it, he glorified God. So in other words, without that branch, the church would never be born. Believers under the grace dispensation would never acquire salvation. Believers under the grace dispensation would never acquire righteousness. Believers under the grace covenant, we would never have been reconciled to God. Amen. So in our primary scripture, let's go back to Jeremiah 23.5. It says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. So the prophecy brings us to that revelation to see this going to be an overseer. 
there's going to be that good shepherd. There's going to be the one who is going to be sent to take care of the sheep. There's going to be the one who is coming to be that high priest. And prophet Jeremiah's prophecy shows that Jesus Christ's coming would bring that branch of righteousness. It would bring that one through the lineage of David. And as we all know, we see that once you go back into the scriptures, you see the genealogy. You see that Jesus Christ went through the lineage of David. Amen. So the only one that they were talking about in prophet Isaiah, prophet Zechariah, prophet Jeremiah, you see that everything is talking about the coming of Jesus Christ. Psalm 89, 14 says that righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. This scripture unveils the true nature, the true nature, the powerful and significant nature that many of us have actually seen in the scriptures under the great covenant, talking about Jesus Christ. Amen. So because when Jesus Christ came on earth, he preached the gospel of grace and truth, which beheld the glory of God, the Father on earth. And therefore, believers... We are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, which means that justice, listen to me, child of God, which means that justice was served for all our sins. So when you go back into Psalm 89, 14, it says that righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne, are the foundation of the throne of the king who would reign and prosper, are the foundation. Hallelujah. Let's go back to Zechariah 6, because I would love, by the grace of God, for you to all go deeper in the scriptures and partake and eat and see where the depth of this is. Zechariah 6, 12, 13. Let us only concentrate on 13 just to go back to the point that I was mentioning. It says that, yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory. He shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be the priest on his throne and the council of peace shall be between them both. So what was the scripture talking about? The council of peace shall be between them both. This meant the reconciliation, the reconciliation between a believer and God. Jesus Christ, as we speak, is the high priest seated on the throne with God. He's seated interceding for us with the believers today. He's seated representing us with the believers today to God. And Zechariah, prophet Zechariah in chapter 6, verse 13, he's saying, and he shall be a priest on his throne and the council of peace shall be between them both. Amen. The council of peace shall be between them both. Meaning that Jesus Christ brought peace to us. He is that mediator between us and God. He brought the peace between us and God. Anytime that God sees us, he sees Jesus. Anytime God sees us, he sees the righteousness. Anytime God sees us, he sees the sanctified Anytime God sees us, he sees righteousness and justice being demonstrated as the foundation of his throne. Many times, you know, we have a misconception to say that, okay, if yes, we believe in grace, that means that God does not have any sort of justice towards sin and anything. This is something I would love to bring to your attention by the grace of God. God is a God who is just. With God, there's always justice. 
Let's not say he is too weak. Let us not look at him in that picture of him being that weak. God justified us. Justice was paid through Jesus Christ on the throne. If we say that, okay, yes, in grace, and many people say, those who, you know, preach about grace, they don't tell people about God being a God who's just, a God who judges, a God who looks at sin as sin. Let me say something today. God will always hate sin, but he will not hate the sinner. That is why he loved us so much that he sent us his begotten son, so that he would put justice on his body, on that cross, that sin would be taken away and he would love, he would reconcile with the sinner. You know, let us never think of God as a God who never judges. He did. He judged his own son on the cross. If the scripture says in Psalm 89, 14, that righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne, meaning that God, through his son, Jesus Christ, we continue to see them that way. We continue to see that they hate sin, but they love the sinner. And they love them so much that the scripture says in Psalm 89, 14, it continues to say that mercy and truth go before their faces. Mercy and truth go before God's face and Jesus' face. So grace and truth, the scripture says in John 1, 17, that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In other words, child of God listening in today, when Jesus Christ came on earth, he preached the gospel of grace and truth, and he beheld the glory of God the Father. Therefore, one thing we must never forget, we the believers under the grace covenant, is that we are already justified. We are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, which means that justice, justice was already paid for us at the cross. And another thing I really, really want to bring to your attention, child of God listening in today, our unrighteousness was put on Jesus Christ. That is justice itself, child of God. The Bible says he knew no sin. Jesus Christ knew no sin. He did no sin. He had no sin. The great men in the scriptures in the New Testament talked of him that way. So if he knew no sin, he did no sin. He was not part of the worldly life like many of us were. That means he was purely, truly righteous. And when he took our self, our old man, our old nature, which was filled with sin, which was unrighteous and was placed on him, why can't we see that as justice? Why can't we see that, that God, once he crucified his own begotten son, beloved son, that justice was being paid? Amen. So that means that we who were sinners, we became righteous. We became the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. So let us never, ever look at God, even under the grace covenant, as a God who is not of justice. He is a God of justice. I love Psalm 89, 14, how it describes him. The righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. So let us never weaken his throne in our own perspective in the wrong doctrines, let us never. And I love the fact that mercy and truth, the scripture father says, mercy and truth go before your face. This is exactly what was Jesus's face. This is exactly what he preached about when he stood to people on earth. 
He was speaking to them, telling them the mercy of God, the truth of God, preaching to the sick, to the lame, to the prostitutes, to people who are isolated, the lepers, healing the sick, the lame, the blind, going all ways and bringing mercy and truth to people who deserved it. Amen. So the branch that Prophet Zechariah, Prophet Isaiah, and Prophet Jeremiah were talking about, that was the branch branching out, bringing out the flow of living waters. And many of the branches, even with the believers as Gentiles, the Jews, they all received from that same branch. Without that very one branch, many of us today wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to be born again. Amen. So it's by the grace of God, the mercy and the truth of God, which was before his face, the child of God, that that branch fed us. It fed his ministry on earth. And that ministry grew and grew and grew. So the growing, the branches were branching off. Have you ever seen a tree child of God? A tree can start as like a seed in soil. But if it's given light, if it's given water, if it's given enough warmth, it's going to grow. It's going to, to, to germinate. It's going to flourish. You have ever seen also a tree that has been, you know, standing for a long time. That tree has so many branches. Branches that actually also make other branches and grow into different branches, different branches. And it goes all over and all over and it grows and it becomes a huge tree. But what makes that tree? Also, other branches. It is. So, child of God, we must look at this as something very, very important. I love what it's written in Proverbs 21 3 that to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Jesus Christ, being the high priest, emulated, he emulated the scripture. Because when he became a son, and endured every suffering in order to fulfill God's will. Child of God on this earth, as we all know that he walked on this earth, that became acceptable to God the Father through the righteousness and justice that took place on the cross. So let us never see Jesus' crucifixion or him taking our place as it was a by the way or it was something he did out of, you know, only love. Much as, yes, God's love was demonstrated at the cross, but also righteousness and justice was demonstrated at the cross. Amen. And also, I love what it is written in Hosea 6, 6. It says, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Can I say something about this scripture so that some of you can really understand it? And I pray that. I don't want to say it and leave it like that. Someone can take it the wrong way. Let's not think Jesus Christ never offered sacrifice as his body. I hope you don't leave and say, oh, she never really portrayed Jesus Christ as one who offered his sacrifice. The scriptures also say that he did, that his body was a living sacrifice unto the Lord. But also, much as that is true, we also want to see the side of him being on the cross that God also saw mercy in it. He saw the grace on our perspective. Jesus Christ, him being on the cross, on his side, he was fulfilling the will of God. And that was sacrifice. Hallelujah. 
But then on our side, we were desiring and seeing the love of God, number one, being demonstrated on the cross, the mercies of God being demonstrated on the cross for us. We were seeing grace being demonstrated on the cross for us. And it's through that that Hosea was saying that for I desire mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Jesus' body was an offering, but that does not mean that what he did didn't amount. This scripture actually, Hosea 6, 6, it's written to, it's mainly speaking to people or let's say believers who are still under the Lord dispensation, who are still believing in the law. Because many times people say, I have to make a sacrifice more unto the Lord so that he can accept me. But Hosea is saying, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Because once you take out the mercy part and you stay with only the sacrifice, that child of God is taking you under the law. Because under the law, many people were only offering God's booze so that God would, what? Accept their holiness or accept to, to, to forgive their sins. But in the grace dispensation, the grace covenant, the grace life that we're living in, one thing we must see is that when Jesus Christ was being crucified, that signified, yes, righteousness, it signified justice, it signified truth, it signified grace, it signified mercy, it signified even an offering unto the Lord. Amen. So never come to a place and think that Jesus Christ never offered himself as a sacrifice just because the scripture says that mercy is greater than sacrifice. Amen. Someone may say, you mean Jesus Christ being crucified didn't come up to this scripture? One thing I can say is that he gave us his righteousness and justice was paid at the cross. We were reconciled with God. But one thing is that Jesus Christ through the cross, he made us acceptable toward God. Amen. We as believers. So the two scriptures that I've talked about, Hosea 6, 6 and Proverbs 21, 3, saying that righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice is mainly, and this I pray that you really understand, it is mainly showing that believers were still under the law, directing them to show that God weighs more of your relationship with him because of his mercy and grace, as opposed to you thinking that you weigh your holiness, your righteousness your life or your salvation based on your performances and many many people are still living like that many people still believe that many people but by the grace of God we've seen even the prophets are directing us to the salvation of Christ they're directing us we the branches of righteousness today that the branch is where we receive from prophets Prophets in the Old Testament, they are directing us to that. So the branch under the grace covenant extensively progressed into more branches of righteousness. And that is why as we speak today, many believers who have believed the grace covenant reign and prosper today in the world. They reign and prosper in every aspect of their lives because it is not in their own ability 
not in their own performances, not in their own being, but through the branch that they receive from. So this is the very same reason Jews acquired salvation, Gentiles acquired salvation, and this is what really demonstrates the love of God. Because, you know, when you sit down and think about this, right, and you just take a moment and receive a revelation of all this, right, it shows you really the true nature of God. It shows you that even the prophets had to see what would come. It shows you that God loved so, so much. He loved so much people that he would literally say, I would put my own son's righteousness to take up their place. Amen. This is something we shouldn't take lightly. This is something we shouldn't take for granted. Receive it with so much grace. I love the fact that in Jeremiah 23 verse 6, says that in his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. Do you hear that? So this man of God saw all this before it really happened. When we come to the book of Acts, we see the early church being born, the early church being established by the grace of God through Apostle Paul. And Apostle Paul was a Jew beyond Jew. He actually also calls himself that. Amen. He was one of the people who really didn't stand Christians. But later when he converted from Judaism to Christianity, he became a branch. He branched out and became that part of the branch and preached the gospel of grace. Hallelujah. So as this prophet saw this, you know, going back to what Jeremiah was talking about, Jeremiah 23, 6, saying that in his days, Judah will be saved. Israel will dwell safely. The gospel brought that safety to the Jews. The gospel made us, even we the Gentiles, become sons of God. We became sons of God in Galatians 4, 28. We did. This is something we cannot take for granted. Hallelujah. We became descendants. We became the heirs of the inheritance of Abraham. We became part of that just because of the branch that came through David. Did you know under the New Testament, believers are also regarded as branches? And this is something I've been saying, I know, but I didn't really bring it out that way, like in clarity. See yourself as one feeding from him, one receiving from him, one partaking from him, one believing from him. You know, it takes me back to that image I was telling you to think about. A tree, there is no branch that can ever grow in air. Any branch is attached to the trunk of a tree. So branches never grow on their own. If a tree is healthy, that tree is going to feed that branch and that branch is going to bear fruit. Hallelujah. So I love the fact that the same analogy, when we carry it into the biblical perspective, we become that. And as long as you see that in you, you see yourself built in that child of God, there's so many things that are going to come in your life. Because you see yourself through that. John 15, let's read 1 to 8. It says, 
I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me. These are the words of Jesus. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, and you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. I love that word, my disciples. You know, my disciples is also an analogy of his branches. Because as disciples, you can never be a disciple unless you're feeding truly from him. Amen. All the disciples could never have been disciples if they were not feeding from the branch. So in other words, I love his words when he says that I am the vine. In verse 5, he says that I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. But without me, you can do nothing. This is exactly what I was saying before. Without Jesus Christ, we can do nothing. Without Jesus Christ, there would never have been a body of Christ. There wouldn't have been a church that was born. There wouldn't have been salvation. There would never have been righteousness. There would never have been reconciliation to God. So this is where it really gets important, child of God. What I'm about to say, a church that is not built on the gospel of Jesus Christ and grace, then I don't know what is preached because once we live out Jesus Christ, and this is my heart, this has been my cry. If we live out Jesus, then that means there is no branch that is producing that very will of God. Remember what the scripture said. He said in John 5, right? I am the vine. You are the branches, meaning we, the body of Christ, we are the branches. We, the church, are the branch of him. We, the believers today, under the grace covenant, we are the branch. And he says, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If he says without him, we cannot do anything. Then, child of God, dear listener, dear minister listening today on this program, if we don't put him in the center, the center, if we don't receive from him, then where are we getting what we are feeding other people? Where are we getting what we are pursuing in our lives? Then where are we getting our will in life? Where are we getting our wisdom from in our life? Where are we getting our knowledge in life? Where are we getting our understanding in life? These are very important questions important questions so without him where is even the anointing coming from without him where are the finances coming from without him where is the provision coming from 
He is the branch. He is the branch of righteousness. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the Lord, the King of righteousness. It's only through him that we receive. Notice that the scripture qualifies us, we as believers, as branches. So that means that when we abide in Jesus Christ, just as he abided in God, the Father, we the branches, we receive. We shall bear the fruit that we were meant to bear from the beginning. And then that will glorify God the Father. So anything out of Jesus Christ, anything out of him can never, child of God, and I'm really sorry to bring this out like this. It can never bear or produce a fruit that comes directly from the source of God. It can never. It can't. Because as we've seen from the prophets, they're directing us, they're telling us, they're showing us step by step, showing us that branch of righteousness, showing us how the church would be born, showing us that everything would come from him. Even Israel telling us that Israel would settle, would dwell in the safety, showing us all that until the New Testament. But then in the New Testament, we see the very thing they're talking about. But then the very, 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 very one that we're talking about, the branch of righteousness, if he can say that without him, we cannot do anything, there's something we are missing, child of God. Amen? When a branch feeds on a healthy tree, when a branch feeds from a vine, the quality of fruit that branch bears is determined by how good that tree is. And how many of us know that the vine, which is of Jesus, is the very, very supernatural, powerful, healthy, most healthy tree anyone could ever feed from as a branch. How many of us know that? Amen. Our branches, once they feed from the branch of righteousness, child of God, greater and bigger things are going to be done. A branch can never grow on its own. That is why I was saying it is imperative for us to know. To know. To know where are we getting our source? Where are we getting our wisdom? Where are we getting our knowledge? Where are we getting whatever we say we have in life? Where are we getting it from? If it's not from the true source, then I love the fact what is written in 2 Corinthians 3. The ministry of righteousness only produces exceeding glory. Then if that very thing is not from the ministry of righteousness, which is the ministry of grace, child of God, that means that there's not going to be an exceedingly glory in it. The glory will come, but pass. Second Corinthians says that those are not my words. It says that under the ministry of condemnation, which was the law. The glory was there, but it passed by. Remember when Moses went to pick the Ten Commandments, amen? When he went to pick them up from Mount Sinai, the very first time they fell down and broke. But the thing is this, when Moses came back the second time with Ten Commandments, because they were given the second time, his glory had passed away. People ran. Child of God, John 15, 5 opens us, dear listener, dear beloved, to a place where we must know who we are, whose we are. 
The identification of a believer in Jesus Christ is a vital key for a believer to know and believe. Don't let yourself be that Christian who is only about performing so God can do this for you. Child of God, see yourself as the scriptures speak to you. See yourself as the word speaks to you. See yourself as that person the branch talks about. When you see yourself that way, you can be ready for anything in this world. Anything. Because even when society or community or anything says otherwise about your name, about you, you say, listen. (laughs) The scripture says I am the branch. And when I receive from the branch of righteousness, that means my strength comes from that branch. That means my hope comes from that branch. That means my source comes from that branch. That means that every single aspect of my life comes from that branch. So whatever is contrary, then that means it's not part of me. And having that attitude, child of God, in life comes from knowing your identification in Jesus Christ. Because that is where the enemy hits. As long as the enemy knows that you cannot know who you are in Christ, then he's got you. He has you. And this is the thing. He's very carnal. He will bring a scripture if you don't know the depth of that scripture and how it can relate to you and you divide it in truth and you know who you are in the scripture, whether it's speaking to you or whether it is speaking to the law dispensation and you can't divide the word, he's going to play around with your mind, play around with your heart, play around with your life because as long as you have a wrong believing, You're not going to have a right living. Can I say something very important? Without receiving a deeper revelation, deeper knowledge of who we are as branches of righteousness, it hinders your faith. It does. Going back to John 15, 5. For a believer who knows that Jesus Christ is the vine, God the Father is the vine dresser, and you know for sure that you're the branch. And you know that when you abide in Jesus Christ and he abides in you, right? And you live in him, he lives in you. You bear much more fruit. And you know that you can never do without him. Let me tell you something, child of God. That builds your faith. That is faith indeed. Because you know for sure that anything I ever need, Jesus Christ has already supplied it for me. You stand in faith and you know, no matter how big something is, you're like, no, Jesus is bigger than it. He is. You see, this is where the true foundation of faith lies. It lies under Jesus Christ. Our faith does not emanate from the strength per se as people believe. Faith comes from Jesus. And I've preached about this several times. Go look into the archives of sermons in justification by faith, all that. I preach about this. True faith under the grace covenant believes that grace has already supplied and you receive from grace. And grace is the person of Jesus and Jesus is the supplier. So your identification in Jesus Christ will enable you to know that you're a branch of righteousness. And it's from that your faith will grow 
and grow and grow as you're feeding from the branch, the true branch, the vine, you will be eating more and more from him. Romans 3.22 says that even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and all who believe, for there is no difference. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. Under grace, our faith is in Jesus Christ. Someone say that. Under grace, my faith is in Jesus Christ. Under grace, my faith is in Jesus Christ. Nothing else, nothing more. It is not in anything. If the scripture says even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. As Jesus Christ is child of God, so are we in this world. If he was considered by the prophets in the Old Testament as the branch of righteousness, then I am the branch of righteousness on this earth. If Christ is the righteousness of God, then I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See yourself that way. Because we are presentation of Jesus Christ on this earth. Anyone who sees you child of God listening in today, they should be able to see Jesus Christ. Amen. This goes without not being mentioned. When God, the Father, sees you and I and every believer listening in today and all the believers around the world who truly believe in Jesus Christ, he sees his son. He sees the branch of righteousness. He sees the high priest interceding for us every minute, second, and hour. Therefore, the positive perfection of his divine love is portrayed in us on this earth. And it takes me back to something that I should mention. That is why, child of God, earth today, on earth today, you carry a certain measure of favor upon you. So do you think that that favor just comes because you pray, because you fast? No, it comes upon you because when people see you, they see Christ. They see Jesus Christ walking in that very body. They smell him. They touch him. They laugh with him. They sit with him. There is no more of Irene, Harriet. There is no more of Peter, of John. Any person, put your name there. There is no. When anyone sees me or hears of evangelist Asia, they're seeing Jesus. By the time I stand on a pulpit or walk, that is him. But not, I'm not saying this in terms of making ourselves or any dear listener listening in and you're saying you're taking up his place. No, that is a very different thing. We're talking about us having that identification in him, saying we are of him, we belong to him, we walk in him, we receive him, we speak in him. There's a difference. There's a difference taking up his place and there's a difference you being submitted to Jesus Christ and walking in him just like he did. I pray that that has been cleared. Because it is very, very vital for you to tell the difference. There is a very big difference. Walking and saying, I am Jesus. And yet you're taking up his place. And then there's also walking and say, I am in Christ Jesus. There's a total big difference. One, there is a submission under him. And you're like, this is who he is. 
He is my representation. And when you see him, you're seeing me. When you see me, you see him. That is what he was saying in John 15, 5, saying that I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So that meant that we only abide in him. We submitted in him. We dwell in him. But we are not him. We are the image of him. We are not him. I pray that that really made so much sense. In Isaiah 4, 2, it says that in that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent, appealing for those of Israel who have escaped. And I love the fact that Jesus Christ being the branch, that many Jews came to receive from that. Many Jews. And as we speak today, the country of Israel, they're coming to know the Lord, our Lord and Savior on a very, very extensive scale. They are. Today, they're coming to know him. Much as they rejected him then, today they're coming to know him. The blessing of God, child of God, that is embedded in Jesus Christ, we as children of God receive it from him. With the branches of righteousness, we receive it from the branch of righteousness. Amen. I love the fact that in John 17, he said very powerful words. Jesus Christ, when he was praying for himself, for the church as well, he said very significant words to actually speak about what I've been saying about us being in him. We are one in him, but we're not him. I know this may sound contradictory, but through the spirit of revelation, I believe you're receiving it. When the scripture says that we are one in him, it does not make us Jesus. It makes us abided in him. It makes us submitted to him. It makes us his own, but we do not take up his place. It is important you receive this because a lot of times I've found that this has been misconstrued and the times when you find that People will worship even a human being just because someone said that. I pray you understand this because I believe that the Holy Spirit has put it on my heart to bring out this as a very clarified point. John 17, 21 to 24. Here he was praying for the body of Christ. He was praying for the church. He was praying for the believers. He said that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Thank you, Jesus, for praying for us. Thank you so much for this prayer. You notice in verses 24, Jesus said very important words, and I pray, child of God, you may receive this. He said that I desire that they also whom you gave me 
may be with me where I am. This is the vine, the branch of righteousness, speaking, praying for those who would follow in his footsteps, those who would abide in him, who would turn out to be the branches of righteousness who came from him. Amen. And he's praying that when God gave us to him, that we would be with him, that everywhere he was, we are with him. You see, this is what I was saying, that when, when we're out there in the world, right? Wherever we are, whatever person you're talking to, people we meet, people we work with, people we're married to, people we communicate with, people we do businesses with anywhere. When they see you, when you speak to them, when you're in their midst, when you interact with them, that very present, Jesus Christ is with you. Any person who sees you, who hears you, who interacts with you, they are interacting with him. But that does not mean that you are taking up his place. It does not mean that you're literally becoming Jesus. It means that you abided in him. It means that you're submitted to him. When he said these words, he meant that God sent you to him, sent us believers to him, to submit to him, to be abided in him. And that meant that we beheld his glory. Let's further listen. The scripture says in John 17, 24, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. That means, child of God, we as branches of righteousness, we can never have our own glory. Oh, that is important to know. Even when you accomplish something, even when you become someone, even when God prospers you, makes you become someone you never expected or something, if anything of that sort happens to you, that is why it is important to say all praise and glory belongs to Jesus Christ. Because in this scripture, he is saying that they may behold my glory. Jesus Christ saying my glory, which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. So I'm going to raise a question. If the glory we as branches of righteousness, the glory we carry is Jesus's glory. Then how so do we come to a place where we take up that glory and say it is our glory? And then we feel so highly of ourselves. We become too proud. We tend to go in his place. But this is where it brings us to that place where we acquire humility. We receive that humility, true humility. Because false humility, someone will say, I believe it is Jesus. But when people continue to worship that very person, the person doesn't say anything. But true humility must kill that and say, listen, it is not me who accomplished that. It is the branch of righteousness I received from him. I partook from him. Anything that I'm thinking of, the wisdom, knowledge, understanding, the going between of things here and there, it's the Holy Spirit leading us, child of God. It is not our place to take and say, this is me. This is I who did this. It is very important. Even when, let me, can I say something? Even if I have preached a sermon by faith through these waves, 
I always go back to my knees and say, thank you for you preached through me. Because for any person who knew me before, they know it's not her speaking. That is definitely not her. You know truly that there's a branch of righteousness preaching the gospel of grace and truth to nations. We must be very careful, child of God, to give him the honor and the glory because the branch, remember, John 15, the vine produces the branch bears fruit from the vine. There is nothing we can do on our own, but we can only do all things through Christ. Amen. John 15, 4, he says it, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Those were the words of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the King of glory, the King of righteousness, the branch of righteousness, where we receive from. Child of God, we must get the attitude of dying to self. Can I say, this is very important. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for pouring that in me right now. As long as we don't fall on that true humility and saying that the vine is producing in us every single minute and hour, child of God, then that means we're walking in our own performances, our own doing, our own thinking, our own faith, our own things. Because there's that possibility that even what we're walking in, if it's not from him, the vine, the branch of righteousness, my question is, where is it coming from? And if it's not coming from anything, then it's coming from self. And a lot of times, sometimes our self has been the greatest enemy that any person can ever think of. Because that self-righteousness, self-made image, that self-imposed life of salvation besides the scriptures, you create some sort of world that is contrary to the word and you walk like that thinking that is how a Christian should live or a Christian should be. You know, in the words of Jesus, we become one in him, in him. In him, as he was the righteousness of God, due to the divine exchange of the cross, we became justified and we became the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But of him you are in Christ Jesus. Oh, Do you know, the thing I love about scriptures, they clearly show you that anything is directed to him. The scripture says it, but of him you are in Christ Jesus. That means that anything beside him, anything that is not in him, then it is not produced by him. It has come from yourself. And child of God listening in today, it's very, very easy, very easy. And this I speak by the grace of God because I have seen this. It is easy that the enemy can divert you and have that self-made self-imposed religion and you do not know and you miss the depth of walking in Christ Jesus it's only in him are we found in salvation and righteousness it is only through him the child of God will become the wisdom of God 
It's only him that we become the righteousness of God. It's only him we become the redeemed of God. It's only him we become the justified of God. It's only him that we become the sanctified of God. It's only him that we become the branches of righteousness. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for the word you've given us today. It's only by your grace that we came to receive the branch of righteousness. The branch of righteousness that was talked about and prophesied about in the dispensation of the prophets. As prophet Zechariah, prophet Isaiah, prophet Jeremiah spoke about the branch of righteousness. And from today we receive from that branch. We are not branches that are on our own, but everything that is established in us is rooted in that branch. Our ministry is rooted in the branch of righteousness, who is Jesus Christ. Our marriages are rooted in the branch of righteousness, who is Jesus Christ. Our finances are rooted in the branch of righteousness, who is Jesus Christ. Our homes, our children, our jobs are rooted, established only in the branch of righteousness, who is Jesus Christ. He is our true source. He is our true being. He is our life. He is the center of our life. Thank you, King of Righteousness. Thank you, Branch of Righteousness. Thank you for loving us, Jesus. Thank you for this day that you have given us. Thank you for the revelation. Thank you for the church that was born from you. Thank you. Thank you for the gift of righteousness. Thank you for reconciling us to God the Father. Thank you that our lives are forever changed. Our lives are forever transformed from glory to glory. From blessing to blessing. From victory to victory. Thank you Jesus Christ that we are not branches on our own. In the name of the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you that we are branches that abide in the vine. Thank you that we abide in him only, Jesus Christ. Thank you that we bear much fruit that glorifies the Father every single minute and second and hour of our lives. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray and say, Amen. For those who say, I have listened today and the branch of righteousness you've talked about, I want to receive salvation from him today. I want to pray for that person who's saying that. And for those who say, you know, I once believed that I was receiving from the branch of righteousness. But after some time, my mind, my thoughts, my being branched out and I never believed that anymore. And if you're that person and you say you want to go back to, into that place, that posture, that position where you can receive from the branch of righteousness and become that branch again that only receives from him. I want you to say these words with me. Say, Heavenly Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, today I believe and confess with my mouth that I am saved by the grace of God. Not through my works or effort, I am forever justified by faith through your grace. Jesus, you are delivered for all my past, present, and future sins. And you were raised for my justification. From today, 
I renounce my old man and nature because it was crucified with you at the cross. And I'll live and walk in the newness of life in Christ Jesus. I am born of Christ. I believe and I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Child of God, I want to welcome you to the greatest gift of salvation. You are now a new creature. All things have passed away. Please find a church that preaches the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That preaches grace and truth for you to have a grace-filled foundation and growth in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that God blesses each and every one of you who has listened in today. And even for those out there, your families, your homes, your marriages. Today the Lord placed it on my heart to pray for marriages. For people going through challenges in their marriages. I want to pray for you. Jesus Christ being a branch of righteous. Let him produce a sweet aroma in your marriages. Let him produce and breathe love, grace and favor in your marriages again. For every single person listening in. Those going through hard time. And I believe that you give testimonies, many of you. In Jesus' name I've prayed and I believe that this coming week, may God continue to bless each and every one of you. Everything you place your hands upon, let it see the blessing of Abraham. And may God continue to keep you well until next week. I love you so much, every single person who listens in and who has made this their home to listen and receive the word. Continuously, may God meet your needs, all of you. In Jesus' name, let him continue to prevail in your lives. Bye.